What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. All right, welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and today we are discussing psychotropic medication. And if you're unfamiliar with that term, that term is basically a term that is used in the context of mental disease and mental illnesses. There are psychotropic meds is what they're called, and they are prescribed to treat quote-unquote mental health disorders or conditions. Uh, that's going to differ from just taking maybe an over-the-counter med. It's going to differ also just from general medication. So in, in this particular episode, just remember I am talking about psychotropic meds as opposed to all medications in general. Also know that this is a, an episode that isn't just born in an, a siloed space, that we've been talking about thinking carefully about the brain and the mind and then delineating between the two and saying, hey, the brain is not the mind and the mind is not the brain, biblically. So we don't want to treat them as the same thing. And yet the mental health field is doing that. The mental health field is treating us as if our brain is our mind and our mind is our brain. So what we have seen over the past 120 years or so is that the mental health field has been created, started as mental hygiene, it was created in part by Clifford Whittingham Beers, who pioneered reform in insane asylums, which led to psychiatric hospitals that led to mental hygiene foundations, which would later become mental health institutes. So mental health jargon, verbiage, ideology really does trace its way back to Clifford Beers, who learned some of his recommendations from European psychiatrists as well. So you know, there is nothing new under the sun, but yet he was a pioneer of sorts. So in so starting the mental hygiene movement, there comes everything with this now. There, there comes medicine, psychiatric, quote unquote, medical training. So medical doctors that are experts in the soul, mental illnesses and disorders. Uh, you now have this whole onslaught of mental health slash illness diagnosing. And if you're not familiar with the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual, I would encourage you to actually pause today's episode and go back and listen to the prior episode. So this is episode five of our current series. And I would encourage you to go back to episode four to just learn a little bit about how mental illnesses are diagnosed. And I share with you both a firsthand account from my own experience and then the general prescriptive way based off of symptoms, how mental illnesses are diagnosed. So today we're going to be discussing psychotropic meds, and this is generally where the questions begin to go. So I just want to help follow you there and do my best to answer questions while we are there together. So big picture, let's talk about what is a psychotropic medication and what are the different types and so forth. So as I, I said just a second ago, psychotropic meds are medications that are used to treat mental health disorders. And there are generally five types of psychotropic meds. That's going to be antidepressants anti-anxieties, stimulants, antipsychotics, and mood stabilizers. 
and some of those are pretty straightforward and and you're I don't have to remind some of you about the nature of these because they are uh, they are things that you have personally interacted with. So anti-anxiety, obviously used for anxiety disorders, panic attacks, fears, things of that nature. Antidepressant, same thing. It is used to help treat those with kind of a mood stabilizer slash there seems to be a low, a low type of low within your own mood. That's an antidepressant. Think of the uh, idea of an antipsychotic. These are not as popular, but a person that is seen with deep psychosis, quote unquote, is a person who is struggling with delusions or hallucinations. That's when things really get bad. Uh, typically, a person starts to be hospitalized around this point. And then you're going to have things that are used as just general mood stabilizers. Uh, so your general mood stabilizers, those are going to help with um, like a bipolar disorder. You know, sometimes your ADHD type of diagnosis will warrant a mood stabilizer. So those are the types of things. Uh, my two cents is it's not super important to be intimately familiar with those medications. A quick Google search can bring up the medication and what it's generally used for. So even as a biblical counselor, I don't spend a whole lot of time memorizing meds because I can write it down and find it within 10 or 20 seconds of a Google search. So I would encourage you to think of it. Just these are the general categories, anti-anxieties, antidepressants. So what are they generally prescribed for? What are some of the most popular reasons? Well, you can do some of this research yourself, but in general, it's depression, number one, and then it's either anxiety, number two, or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, number two. So it seems like ADHD and anxiety are the kind of the second reason or second and third, but depression is number one. So the most popular, we could say, psychotropic meds are the psychotropic meds that are assigned for depression. And if if we're thinking about this carefully, you're given a prescription medication for a potentially inner man reality, a mental, remember the mind is immaterial, a mental illness for the sake of mood stabilization. Uh, this is not even to get at some of the money that is made off of psychotropic meds. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I, I hope you believe that. If you go to my house, I don't have a basement full of ammunition and canned jams. Um, number one, because I don't have a basement. I live in California. We don't do basements out here. <laughs> but if I had a basement, I wouldn't can my own jams because I'm not a doomsday. Uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But I do think it's of note, you know, you put it in your own research hopper to consider private medicine and the money that is to be made when people are prescribed psychotropic medication. We're not talking about millions of dollars. We're talking about billions of dollars for private pharmaceutical companies. So maybe, just maybe, if I have the most benevolent of beliefs in these companies that they really want to help us and they really want to see people treated, if I have the most charitable and benevolent beliefs about those individuals, then I say, well, maybe they do really want to help, but nevertheless, they're still a business in the end. They're not nonprofits. They are still making money off of the prescription of these medications. So when you think of maybe the incentivization of medical companies or pharmaceutical companies to see their meds used or to have their medication approved by the FDA, 
there's a lot of money on the line here. So I, I do think that's part of the equation here. So, but in big picture, psychotropic meds are typically what you are prescribed whenever you are diagnosed with a mental illness. So if you recall back to last episode, when I was done meeting with the psychiatrist, she said, I can offer you medications, and that would be antidepressants, or I can suggest that you do some cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, and we'll see how it goes. And I said, what do you recommend? I didn't want to trap her. You know, what do you recommend? She said, start with the CBT, and if that doesn't work, I'll get you some meds. What was she willing to assign me? Psychotropic medication. That's what she was willing to assign me. So let's, let's begin to poke at the idea of psychotropic medication in light of what we've learned already. Well, first of all, we know that the brain is not the mind. The brain is the organic part of who we are. So if there is, in fact, a brain issue, let's identify that through whatever type of testing, scans, blood work we need to do to measure what chemical is really imbalanced, if that's the theory that you're wanting to espouse. Or what do I need more of? Uh, what neurotransmitter do I need more of? How much more of it do I need? Are you empirically learning about your body or are you speculatively taking medication and just tinkering with it based off of your symptoms? You see, if the brain is the organic part of your body that is being influenced, then I do think it's fair to say, well, how much, where, uh, where is it deficient? What chemicals are out of balance? You know, let's ask those physiological questions. And if we do see deficiencies in the organic part of who we are, then yes, let's have those treated. But then on the other hand, what if I'm being prescribed a medication, which is physical, for the treatment of something that is immaterial, i.e. my mind? Well, in, in that way, that medication is never going to change the immaterial. The physical doesn't change the immaterial. Your physical medication, you will ingest and it will affect your physical body, but it will not change your mind. Your mind may actually go unchanged while you are taking certain psychotropic medications. And what the psychotropic medication is doing is actually affecting the symptom, not the source. So in, in that way, yes, it is affecting the way you are feeling right now, but maybe not for the reason that you think. So there are certain people that will take a, a mood stabilizer. They'll take some type of antidepressant. And what happens over time is, yes, they do feel better because there's no highs and there's no lows. They're, they're just more stable. Yes, that's true. Uh, but does that mean you've addressed the source of what's happening? No, not necessarily. And in fact, the antidepressant can mask some of the source problems. It can mask the intensity of why you feel so bad in the first place. So that physical medication, just to be clear, is not changing the immaterial, but it may be affecting the physical, the body, the brain, and some of the responses of the body. So let's take a short break. When we come back, I want to pick up the, with this idea and then give you some biblical things to consider as you're interacting with medications. We'll be right back. 
All right, we'll get back to Dr. Gifford in just a moment as he continues his series on the mind and the brain. And talking about psychotropic drugs this week got me to thinking that a lot of times the use of these types of drugs when they're not needed can lead to addiction. And that's why I wanted to take a moment to recommend to you some excellent resources we have in the Transform store on that very topic. First, David Dunham has an excellent book called Addictive Habits, Changing for Good. He says that we have to realize and understand that addiction flows out of worship, a worship of creation rather than worshiping the creator. And addiction is the outcome of looking to the world to satisfy our souls. Highly recommend David Dudham's Addictive Habits Changing for Good, which you can pick up in the Transformed store right now at transformed.org. As you know, producing Transformed and all of our other resources and materials that illuminate and bring clarity to the truth of the gospel, it takes effort, time, people, and ultimately resources. And that's why I want to ask you if you would prayerfully consider supporting our work here by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Your contribution enables us to create more content and also reach more people. So if you would take some time with your family to think and pray about joining us to give us the ability to continue providing resources just like Transformed, we would certainly appreciate that. If you have questions on what that would look like, you can always head over to transformed.org and get those answers to your questions. Now, also, if you have thought about becoming a biblical counselor and getting trained in this area, I tell you all the time, our churches are in dire need of biblical counselors and biblical counseling ministries. And a resource that we also have available on our website that will help you in that area of training to become a biblical counselor also covers the subject of addiction. Mark Shaw's The Heart of Addiction is so helpful. He says in the book, if we're going to help people enslaved to addiction, we've got to be courageous. We've got to be committed to confidentiality, but also truth, grace, and openness about the power of sin and faithfulness over the long haul. The Heart of Addiction by Mark Shaw is one that has to be on your bookshelf, and you can find it again at transformed.org. All right, well, now it's time to get back to Dr. Greg Gifford and part two of his discussion on psychotropic drugs. This is Transform. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back. We've been talking about psychotropic medication and psychotropic meds in the context of mental illness, mental disorders. And I'd like to take some time to go to the scripture and just give you some big picture thoughts about medication in general. So I'm going to use a phrase and you feel free to interact with this phrase however you want. But this is the way that I would like you to think about medication in general to include psychotropic meds. That when you're talking about a psychotropic med, if it is used legally, with God-honoring motivations, it is not inherently sinful. Okay, I'm just going to put my cards on the table. I, I like to be that clear because sometimes biblical counselors are known for being anti-meds. Uh, we're not necessarily anti-meds in terms of anti-psychotropics. What we're going to do is critique that there may be a distraction and the med may not be helpful. Or there are obviously extreme cases where side effects produce more problems. 
weird thoughts, suicidal ideation. And those are coming from the wrong use or maybe the overuse of psychotropic meds. So yes, there are extreme cases, but in general, there is nothing inherently sinful about taking that antidepressant, just to be clear. In fact, I think, and I'm going to turn over to 1 Timothy, I do think that biblically there is a case for medication. And biblically, we don't want to like hinge our faith based on our wellness. I think that you see an example of what Paul tells to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5. He says, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. In this context, Paul is giving Timothy a medicinal recommendation. And what is it? That he would avoid drinking the unclean water of the first century and that he would drink a little bit of wine. The toxicity of this wine would be very different. So the alcohol content would be very different from our modern wines. But even that fermenting process would make wine a cleaner drink. So you're less worried about bacteria and so forth. So Paul here is encouraging the use of medicine and using wine in a medicinal way. I mean, I've even heard in modern context how a glass of red wine can be good for your health or so forth. Now, I'm not here to make a case for wine. I'm here to show you that Paul is recommending wine for the sake of his stomach issues. When there are physiological issues, a Christian should feel entitled and welcome to pursue physiological treatment. So you have stomach issues, do what you can to get physiological treatment for your gastrointestinal problems. Absolutely. If you have a headache, yeah, take Advil. More power to you. If there's some type of infection and you can get your hands on antibiotics through your doctor, go for it. Like more power to you. There is a small group of Christians that believe that medicine shows a lack of faith and that you really need to pray and to trust the Lord. And if the Lord chooses to make you sick, then that's what he chooses. And if the Lord chooses to heal you through prayers, then that's what he chooses. Um, I don't see that in scripture. I, I see that you are to wisely pursue medical treatment and you recognize that God is the ultimate physician and healer. So anything that a medical doctor does in the sovereignty of God is God's plan. So if that plan is to use the medical doctor to bring healing, then that is God's will. So in trust, we pursue medical treatment. It's not an either or, but here you do see Paul recommending medical treatment. One more thought for you, and some of you would consider this to be a practice within your own church. I actually think it has more to do with a medical treatment. So the idea in James chapter 5, James says, is anyone among you suffering? Verse 13, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. So this is the context. Some of you come from very different denominational backgrounds, but I want you to see here that if you are sick, there is a legitimate request that your elders would pray for you and pray for healing. In this context, I also think that oil is medicinal. So there's nothing magical. We're not rubbing vegetable oil or tanning oil all over a person to heal them. <laughs> That'd be kind of weird. Think you even have heard of like the doTERRA essential oils that can treat a sore throat or can treat a headache. Like it, this is even becoming common in our modern culture. People are using oils for the sake of medical treatment. And yes, that is what James is saying here. So prayer and medicine. So biblically speaking, I, I think you can feel very comfortable in pursuing medical treatment. And that includes the use of medication. But I am going to clarify that in both of these instances, it is physical sickness that we're talking about, not immaterial sickness 
immaterial quote-unquote sickness. So when you begin to blend medical terminology and say, well, I'm going to take medicine for an immaterial sickness, that is a little bit different from what the Bible's talking about. The Bible commends the use of medicine and the wise use of medicine, the ethical use of medicine, as we're trusting the Lord as the ultimate physician. But just note that that psychotropic med that is treating the immaterial is not going to change your inner person. I wish there were, and I say this in all seriousness, I know I joke around at times, but I mean this in all seriousness. I wish there was a pill that I could take that would change my thoughts. Don't you wish it was that easy? But your cognition and your thoughts are immaterial, so you know it doesn't work like that. I can take a pill that changes the expression of my thoughts, makes them more wacky or makes them more suppressed, but it doesn't change my thought because that thought is immaterial. That's located in my mind, my immaterial component of who I am. So if you're thinking about this carefully, then let me finish with just some prompts for you. I have said and will continue to say that when psychotropics are used legally with God-honoring motivations, they're not inherently sinful, but they may be inherently unhelpful because they're distracting you from the source of the real issue. If you're on antidepressants right now, I want you to hear this clearly. Don't drop them. (laughs) Do not drop them. Uh, I have been in counseling contexts where a person feels well and they're like, I'm done with these things, flush them down the toilet. And it's like, no, Uh, your body is affected by those. And so if you go cold turkey off of psychotropics, you're actually going to potentially hurt yourself or put yourself in a physically weak place. Don't drop your meds without medical supervision. Work with your psychiatrist or your GP to wean off if that is your desire. But I would rather you take away the general principle that my psychotropic med is not changing my immaterial person. It's affecting my external, my outer man. So if I am not using my psychotropic meds to help focus on my inner person, I could be hurting myself or distracting myself. Consider this. If I'm counseling a guy who's struggling with depression and I find out that he has deep personal sins, sexual sins that he's wrestling with, That antidepressant may affect his mood, but he has greater business with the Lord that he needs to deal with. So does that mean every depression is rooted back into sin? No, but some of it is. And that means if you're going to stabilize your mood in light of not dealing with the root of the issue, you are distracting yourself. Deal with the root of the issue and watch the way that that changes your mood, for instance. So use the psychotropic med as a means of focusing on your inner person, but recognize that psychotropic med is never going to change your inner person. It never will. The material is never going to change the immaterial. So when a person asks me, Dr. Gifford, do you believe in medication? I say, I do not believe that medication will change your immaterial heart. And I have yet to have one person say, how dare you? Most people say, yeah, I get it. I get what you're trying to say there. So can there be temporal benefits externally for your body? Yes, I do think there can. And I think in extreme circumstances, there is a benefit to using them to get back on your feet. But long term, you're trying to deal with the root of the issues in immaterial ways. So let me think about this question with you, or maybe you'll think about this question with me. If the brain is not the mind, how can taking medication change the inner person? Uh, you, you have potentially thought for some time now that this is a physiological problem, and yet not once have you submitted a blood level, had your brain scanned, or has there been any demonstration of what neurotransmitter was out of whack and what level. So maybe, maybe this whole time you've been taking meds for what you think is an outer person problem, but this is really an inner person problem. 
Listener, I want you to hear in a gracious and loving way, you can be free for the rest of your life. You don't have to pay that prescription for the rest of your life. You don't need that. And if there is a sense in which you would like to work through what's happening in your inner person, I would encourage you get connected to a biblical counselor and work with a wise medical doctor to interact with those medications. Do not go cold turkey. Oh my goodness, do not do that. You're going to hurt yourself. That's dangerous. As a biblical counselor, we would never encourage that. But do think, maybe I've been taking medications and I haven't been focusing on the immaterial problem. So key takeaway, that is what psychotropics are. That is what they are about. They are typically couched in medical terminology. And in the end, they are not inherently sinful when used legally with God-honoring motivations. They just may not be helpful. So ideally, this is enough to whet your appetite and get you prompted to think more about this topic. If you guys have more questions, please email them to me at greg at transform.org. Other than that, we need to be done for today, so let me pray for us. Lord, as I prayed before I recorded this episode, I pray again that you would use the truths of today to set people free. Lord, it's not about saving money in the end, and it's not about driving to the pharmacy in the end. What it's about is that we want to honor you and we want to focus on how you have made us. Lord, we don't want to be distracted at times by remedies that aren't really fixing the problem. And for some of us, psychotropics are just that. So give us grace to wisely know when they may be of help and to wisely know when they may be hurting us, Lord. May you raise up biblical counselors who understand the nuances of this to be a benefit for those that are wrestling with these deep questions. And Lord, we ask for this generation that is coming up behind us, that they would also think biblically about the medication they've been prescribed so that they can honor you in their lives and do a lot of good in this world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. This has been Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? And until next time, go serve your king. 